When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So what's popping, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Vitamin C's with me, your boy Adam Taylor. As usual, I'm joined by my homie, my compadre, my co-host in crime, Mr. Tim Shields. What's popping, Tim? Nothing much. It's been a pretty good morning. I got up nice and early, made myself a shake, like got a nice start to my day, like in like a pretty good groove. So we've just been spending some time catching up. Feeling obviously. Fresh. I actually, yeah, pretty good. All things Screw considered. You. <laughs> Your sleep schedule has been messed up, but that's not my messed fault. Okay, up, bro. I mean, partly. Um, so we, we haven't recorded in a hot minute. The last week I was gearing up for a trip. This weekend I was on the trip, and then I got back from the trip, and I've been jet lagged. My body kind of adjusted to a time zone, and then got through straight back on a plane to unadjust and readjust. So here it is. On the weekend, I flew out to Boston. Uh, flew out on Friday credentialed media for the Celtics LA Lakers game. That's right. I was media for the Celtics Lakers game. Flew out all the way from the UK. Met up with my boy Tim. Met up with two of our friends, Greg and Will, on the Friday night. We went out for some food down in Dorchester in Southie. Uh, Yeah, that was dope. You know, Saturday, we're at the game. Tim also got credentialed for the game, so we were there as official media. If you want to read more about that, I'll post a link to um, an article I wrote about the whole experience. Sunday, I flew home. <laughs> so it's – and obviously the week leading up, it was making sure I had to, like people to take the kid to and from school, making sure the wife had enough – like there was enough food in the house, making sure I'd packed the right stuff, had to get travel insurance sorted and find ticket plane flights and hotels – so it's been a whirlwind 10 days and like, you know, we sucked at getting episodes up because of it, but it is what it is. We're back now. Yo, Tim, uh, how did you find that food, man? It was good. Oh, by the way, first time that you've ever had chicken parm. What are your thoughts? I mean, I think it's a tiny bit overrated. It's a tiny bit overrated. Like it was delicious, dude. Like I'm not yeah. saying it was like, it was really delicious, but like, the way I've heard people speak about it on TV and like when I'm speaking to people on podcasts and stuff, like I'm a guest on theirs or they're a guest on, or whatever. And they're like, yo, you've never had chicken palms to bomb. It's the best ever. So I've come into it this like really high expectation uh, of like, um, yeah, fine dining Michelin star level, like chicken, you know what I mean? And really it was just chicken with some Parmesan cheese and a nice marinara sauce. It's so it it's was like good. It was potatoes. comfort food. Yeah, it's, it's like, comfort. Not meat and potatoes, but it's like a meat and potatoes kind of thing. It's like a staple piece of most American food, like pasta and meat and red sauce and cheese and like that's most Italian dishes in the U.S. But it's good. I'm surprised it was the first time you. The arancini was better. Yeah, those little like cheese balls. Love arancini. It's buffalo, not even cheese. So the, the ones I'm used to here, it's got like rice, meat, cheese, mm -hmm. some fragrant veg. Or some fragrant seasoning. But they were nice, man. I ain't even going to lie. The meatballs were good, too. Uh, Saturday, I went down to Wahlburgers with my boy, Will. Got myself a Wahlburger. Never got to meet Mark or Danny, though. I mean... They don't, they don't hang around there very often. We can't call it Wahlburgers, <laughs> then. It's just burgers that might be with a Wahlburger. 
Like, you know, but <laughs> it, it was good. It was good. The game was dope, man. So I said to you earlier, like, you missed out. I know what I'm walking. So we, we do the press conferences, mm-hmm. um, the post game. So you have Joe, then you have Jalen, then you have Jason. So Jason took forever to come into the post game press. Always does. Forever, dude. And I'm like, my body clock is still on English time because it hasn't ticked over yet. And, um, so it's like in, internally, it's like 5 a.m. and I've pulled an all-nighter and I'm just like drifting in, in the room, right? Tatum walks in, does the post-game, walks out. I walk out probably about three people behind JT. So as I'm walking through and I'm making my way down to where the, the canteen area is because that's what we walk past there to go to the exit, right? As I'm walking down, JT gets stopped. They're talking about the, the ruffles thing. Uh, I'm sure everyone's seen the photos of JT. Jason Potatum. Yeah. Well, just before then, he kind of stops. And then I have to stop and kind of like sidestep so I don't walk into the back of him. And like at this moment in time, I'm like shoulder to shoulder with Jason Tatum. But I'm not shoulder to shoulder with Jason Tatum. It's like head to shoulder. I'm a big dude, right? So I'm like six foot three, 250. Um, I came up to just above his elbow. Yeah, he's and tall. I'm like, what? That's very tall. What the hell, dude? Like, I'm not used <laughs> to being that like short on people. I'm usually the biggest guy in the room, or at least like one of the biggest dudes in the room. So then I'm like, man, because I remember sitting down and JB walks in, and I'm like, he's tall, but like I wouldn't feel short next to JB. I and felt then, short next to Gallo. Gallo walked past me, and he is very tall. Bron was tall as well because Bron, like I yeah. remember walking past Bron and um, six thinking, nine, like big dude. Bron's just big dude. I'm like, man, I'm not taking a charge off him. But like that was dope. <laughs> it was a dope experience, you know. Kind of being like, yo, sidestep JT. Man, this dude's tall. Right then, <laughs> sorry JT, and then find my way out of there. So now it was dope. It was dope to meet all the people that I deal with. I like I deal with that I speak to and I've got to know. You know, like um. Spent had many a conversation with Abby Chin, got to meet Abby, same with Chris Forsberg, you know, people that I speak to but had never met. Like mm-hmm. it's the same with you, right? Like it was like I, I speak to you all the time, but it was the first time we chilled in real life. So uh it was dope, man. I do think you need to get a car that's higher off the ground though. Yeah. Oh man. For anyone wondering, I drive a Hyundai Veloster, which is a little two-door, and it is very low to the ground. And for people who are on the taller side of things, it's a little bit difficult getting in and out of the vehicle. So, Dude, when we, we went out for some drinks after the food, and then yeah. I, if you remember, you parked by a curb, and there was like this little gap. So like and you've you were got, like, mm. you've got the, I mean, do you guys call it the curb? Yeah, it's a curb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, uh, so you parked <laughs> yeah. up by the curb, and there's probably about this much gap between the, the door and the curb. So I'm like, Dude, I can't get my foot in that gap, and it's too far. The car's too low for me to stretch my foot out to get onto the sidewalk. So I'm like, right, I'm going to have to get out on my knee and then shimmy my hips out of the car because it was so – I was like, man, this is hard work, dude. (laughs) I'm sure I bruised my knee. (laughs) To to be fair, my fiance has the same complaint about the car because it's so low to the ground. Low, dude. I feel that. I mean, it just needs like (laughs) – you need to put neon lights under it if it's that low. Why? So you because can like see the ground? 
<laughs> well, not even that. Just because, like, the only people that lower their cars are street racers, right? So, oh, like, yeah. there's just no excuse for it to be it, so. It's low. not me lowering it. Honestly, it's just designed to be that small. Technically, it's got three doors, and I like. Yeah, <laughs> I got so confused. All of us. When I registered the car, I was like, "Do I put this as a three? Like, there's no three door option because three door cars don't freaking exist." So I put it down as a four door because it's got a hatchback, but. It's a very odd little car. I love it, but it's it's weird as hell. So one thing that got said to me on the end of the night, we've had a few drinks. As we're leaving, Greg pulls me up. He's like, dude, you're exactly what I expected you to be like in real life. I'm like, <laughs> I didn't know how to take that. You know what I mean? So I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, no, it's just, you know, you, you're exactly the same as what you are off camera, basically, <laughs> or on camera. Was I exact? Was it, was it the same for you? Was you like you kind of knew what yeah. you were walking into? Yeah, I think so. I think it's cool because I think I was taller than what everybody expected. No, I knew you were going to be tall because you told me that you were taller. So I told I, Tim I went... and Will, but they were like, I told Greg and Will, but they were like, "Dude, you tall?" I'm like, "Well, what? It's what like, do you think yeah. I was lying, dude?" No, you said. Well, you said you were six three, so I was like, "Okay, so he's going to be a little bit taller than me." And Jack is also. I met Jack for the first time in person, and Jack's I've been yeah 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 and he's he my height he's maybe like an inch or two shorter i want to say That's maybe just an inch shorter he's pretty tall he's a little bit taller than me and i remember like i was the first game that i went to was on thursday against the knicks first two games was media both are overtime games i wish that they took the thursday game but i digress but um i'm in there recording joe's presser for clns on thursday and i'm like right in the doorway and all of a sudden, you know, someone pops in about like halfway through the interview and I look to my right and it's Jack and I'm like, hey, and it's like the first time I'd actually seen him and I hadn't told him that I was going. So he's like this confused look for a second. And then he was just like, hey, man. <laughs> but one of those things where I had a lot of run ins, it was again, it looks, it's the same thing as you said. It was really cool, like sitting in the room and, you know, seeing all these people that, you know, either through the media, personally, through conversations or, you know, them as, you know creators and stuff going in you know amanda flugrad's coming in behind us as like i'm going in on thursday for my first time and i'm just kind of like you know deer in the headlights don't know where i'm going and i'm just like yeah okay this is you know big step for everybody you know and i think saturday was cool because we got to go to the game together and a whole lot of things i mean i think you think about it looking back at you know all these years just in the development of getting to that point where like that's an actual dude i wrote four thousand words on that entire experience like from yeah. start go read that on celtics blog guys it's seriously cool you know right. it's been years in the making but years you know. dude and for an english guy like me to get that opportunity and you know be able to fly out and do everything that we did it was dope right so we've gone on for about 10 minutes now i feel like that's <laughs> enough like that's enough uh, reminiscing about an experience that nobody else got to be there for. Um, it will happen again, and you know, maybe we do a meetup. Stay maybe a little bit longer like... next time. Uh, that all depends, man. Like you know, let it's your money, clock right? adjust. <laughs> it's money, right? Like it's easier for me to do these quick round trips. Like the flight was cool. Shout out JetBlue, man. JetBlue were clutch. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Really, really good. They're pretty good. Yeah, like this uh, is not a sponsorship. This is just an endorsement. I will say that <laughs> that this was the first transatlantic flight I'd done on a plane of that size. It was smaller than the planes I usually get on to go like across. The big, the massive ones with like three rows of seats. Yeah, so that's what I that's what I'm used to when I fly across the ocean. Like I'm like yeah, and I feel safer then, right? So the last time when I went to LA, I was on a plane. It was like two floors, dude. Damn, it's yeah, a it was, big plane. It was a big plane, but was you felt Airbus. Nothing. 
Yeah, but you felt nothing. I felt some time we had turbulence coming back because we were flying over the Rockies at that point, so mm-hmm. like, it was unavoidable. But um, I'm used to planes of that size, so when I got on this one and it's just a a two row, I'm like, yo, this plane's not big enough to cross an ocean. <laughs> like, wh- where's the extra seats, man? And I, I find myself looking at the little plane window to make sure there's big enough engines on the wings to get me there. Man, I'm like, like Twilight it. Zone episode where like there's a woman on the wing of a plane. I'm just like, where's the engines? But like, nah, it got me there, man. A bit bumpy there. Smooth as hell coming back. Food was really good. Free Wi-Fi was clutch. Um, good in-flight entertainment. Yeah, man. I was shout at JetBlue, man. I'm definitely flying with them again. Um, and I hate flying, and I'm already looking at how I can get back on a JetBlue plane. So let that tell you what it will. Right. Since I've been back, I've been sleeping a bunch, but I have managed to catch up on some Peyton Pritchard news. You know, so that news is obviously he went on a podcast with Evan Turner. Shout out Evan Turner. Went on up and obviously Andre Iguodala as well. Um, the Point Forward podcast, if anybody hasn't heard of their show, it's called The Point Forward Podcast. Definitely go check that out. You know, you're getting, an in, you're getting player insights into the league. Same reason you listen to JJ Reddick or you listen to All the Smoke. But Pritchard said some stuff, man. I mean, like. Big stuff. He said some stuff, and obviously the 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 key takeaway was him being, hey, I don't really want to be in a position where I'm not playing a significant role. That was the, the gist of it. I know you've got the full quote there, right? So yeah. I've got someone messaging me, so I'm going to let you read the quote while I reply to this message so I do not look rude. <laughs> so um, Iguodala says, walk me through the next five or ten years for yourself. Pritchard goes, obviously, after I'm done here, after this year, I'd like to look to be a bigger part or a part of a bigger role a little bit. And Iggy says, you should want that. Pritchard goes, I definitely do. It's obviously what I work for. I think that's what Brad Stevens and them know too. We've had discussions, but a bigger role. I want to be part of a winning culture, but I also want, but I want to also help that be a really big piece of that. I'm not saying it's the best player on the team, but I don't know what my future holds unless I can take that next step. I don't know what it is in five or 10 years, but I just want to look back and know that I put my best foot forward. I put all the work in. So whatever happens, I can live with it as long as I I did it my way. That's the most important thing to me. So a couple things to unpack there. One, there's been discussions. There's been discussions with Brad Stevens and ownership about his role. Mind you, Brad is no longer the coach anymore, but he is Pobo, president of basketball operations, which means he could potentially look at trading him. Something that we've discussed and gone back and forth on in terms of they need the depth, but he's a luxury. Yeah, the depth is good. I do want to point out that he said when I'm finished here. So this isn't where you're like, oh, man, they're going to trade him by next week on the trade. No, dude, it's more After likely this year. Yeah, it's more likely going to be in the offseason, if at all. Another thing to remember, his his contract is quite small, and it's very hard to get fair value in terms of like production level. Like what Pritchard gives you, it's hard to match that on such a small deal. So it may just be part of a, a bigger consolidation trade, but that is a chance, right? And the other thing I want to put is a conversation could be anything from a passing comment on the way to the to the weight room or on the way into the locker room all the way through to sitting in an office and having a deep, meaningful conversation and anything that could fall in between those two extremes. So 
it's very easy to just imagine Pritchard sitting in a room with, Tays- with uh, Stevens and being like, yeah, I'm not happy right now. You know what I mean? Where there's a very real possibility that it was just like, yo, Brad, if you can't give me any minutes at the end of the season, I wouldn't mind being traded. You know, you just don't know what the the scenario was that that or, or the context in which that conversation happened. And I just want to point that out there because it's really easy to hear a quote and run with it without knowing the full context. And we're not privy to that and we're not going to be. Uh, but I just wanted to point that out because I think that sometimes you, you see quotes like that and it's very easy to be like, like that. Oh, he requested a trade or, oh, that's it. He's done. Or Brad don't trust him or whatever. It's very easy to kind of read into it. We just don't know what the context is. Yeah. And I think context is important to that to a degree. Uh, I, I think the one thing that I'm interested about with it is specifically that he was pretty candid about that. Like he came out and was very publicly like, yeah, you know, there have been discussions, but the part that resonated with me too is, is like, you know, after I'm done here after this year. So I think it kind of, it puts an expiration date on that partnership. And that's sort of what I've felt for a little bit now, just because they, again, they went out and they got Derek white. You went out and you got Malcolm Brogdon. And it literally takes, you know, Marcus Smart getting injured or Malcolm Brogdon being away for Peyton Pritchard to get these minutes, right? And over the last couple games, he's had games where he's played over 35 minutes each game. Granted, two of these were OT games, but he got a lot of playing time because Marcus Smart's out of the lineup. So now with Smart eventually coming back, most likely after the All-Star break, Smart's also talked about that. We could touch upon that as well if you wanted to. Um, talking about his ankle. But the fact is, is that Pritchard has put this out in the universe. Like it exists. Like it has to be acknowledged because right now that's sort of been something that people have talked about. Do you trade Peyton Pritchard? And it's, I don't think it's up to the Celtics anymore. If, if Pritchard had that conversation, then that is something that's going to happen. It's just a matter of when. So what I'm saying is I don't mind potentially trading Pritchard if it's part of a larger deal. And I I think think, it has to be. It has to be. If you're going to try and get anything of value, right? Excuse me. I think, yeah. And I think that you do it at the end of the season because the insurance policy of having Pritchard on the bench is more beneficial to you as a franchise than trading him. And I've wrote about this. I remember writing that you do right by the player as soon as possible but you also have to do right by the team. So it's hard to find that match. Now, what I will say is looking over at Spotrack, next season, it actually benefits the Celtics to wait until next season. Right now, he's earning $2.2 million. And next season, that jumps to $4 million. So when you're trying to match it, there's a little bit more um, wiggle room in that salary matching where... You know, you don't. You might might not have to throw an extra player into the consolidation, or there might be another young, late first round pick that's not working out somewhere else on a similar deal that you could just do a, a straight swap with. So, and also, Pritch is going to be rookie um, extension eligible, yeah. so you, you could sign and trade on that rookie extension. I'm not sure if that's possible. Actually, um, I'd have to check that. Let's just say it's a maybe. Yeah. Um, like caps, I'm an X's and O's guy. You want cap space? You go talk I, to Mister. I'd have to check that because I feel like there might be because there might it's be, a rookie extension. There might be like a time frame that you have to wait on. Yeah, I mean, I'm just hoping that Pritchard finds somewhere. Like he's good enough to be the first guard off the bench for mo- for a significant amount of for teams most in of the league. league for a good chunk of the league. Yeah, yeah for sure, right. without um, question. 
and he's playing like fourth, fifth guard off the bench, you know. But like Tatum said a few weeks back, everybody needs to sacrifice if you want to be on a championship team. You yeah. know, Pritchard keeps playing the way he is. If the Celtics do end up winning rings, he wins a championship in his third season, and then his value goes up across the league because, it, you know, like one thing that I always tell myself is when players are in positions like this, you see a lot about their professionalism. They either get loud and noisy and force their way out to hell with what it means for the team, mm-hmm. or they stay professional and wait till the off season and other teams view that as a positive because you know the guys understand what it means to be part of a, a winning culture. So I think Pritchard will be gone at some point because there is no I don't see a path to the to the first team for him for the duration or the remainder of this rookie contract. Makes no sense. He's too good, he's too talented. When you then you mentioned Marcus Smart, so we can move over to Marcus Smart now, another guy that's too good and too talented. <laughs> I don't want him back before the, the All-Star no. break. The Celtics have a, a cushion right now, right? So when you look at the, the standings, they've got a bit of a cushion. There's not too many games away from the from the All-Star break. Just let the guy rest, man. There's, like, it's not like you're losing. You're not, you, you, it's no. not like you're losing. Okay, you had that little stretch where you lost a few games on a bounce. Cool. Oh, well. You're still the best record in the NBA. You're still one of the best offensive teams, best defensive teams in the league. You've got Jason Tatum's become, I don't know, a top, I don't know, I'm not going to say a number because that would be stupid, but he's become an exceptionally good role man. No, I won't say him player. Oh, okay. Very different like conversation. Wing, wing roller. Yeah. <laughs> Which is a, like, it's a small number of players that are wings that roll to the rim. Um, mm-hmm. But he's one of the better wing rollers as well. And we saw that against the uh, the Lakers when he set that back screen and then rolled off for JB to find him on that pick and roll. Um, which was a big time bucket, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, so Marcus Smart, let him sit, man. I think he's definitely, you are seeing the difference in the, the, the Celtics offense. It's a little bit more clunky, a bit more disjointed. Some of the actions that they were running, a lot of the, the wings, the wing actions, 21 and, um, they're not running as much Miami either, but they are running like some of the actions aren't being run because they just don't have a player that can read the defense at the level that Marcus can. But overall, you're winning, you're grinding it out, you're still putting W's on the board. When Smart's ready to come back, bring him back and reintegrate him. Until then, you're not chasing anything, people are chasing you, just coast. Yeah, and I think you know, you look at how many games are left too. There's only eight games left for the Celtics, including. Um, by the time this episode posts, um, they've got a game tonight against the Nets, but that's eight games total before the break. And trade deadline is on the ninth, so you know you're about a week removed from that. So that's another big thing you have to look at. But overall, I think right now there's no reason to rush Smart back. And if it's, you know, he he said this as much like it's around the same time that he hurt his ankle last year. So I think he needs the time, and that's okay. I think. I think you really hit it well there where you're talking about they have the luxury of being able to just rest him, and there's no reason to rush him back. Again, if you, going back to that Pritchard point, if you are looking eventually moving Pritchard or if he wants a bigger role and he wants more run, this is like the perfect time to do it for like a multitude of different reasons. One, you need him because you don't have smart. And then two, if he does end up enticing someone before the trade deadline and someone says, hey, we know you want X, Y, and Z. How about this? 
you're able to have that conversation because he's he's out there garnering interest and playing a bigger role for you. And I think it's it's a bit of an audition too. I mean, if hypothetically, if he were to stay in Boston, like this is a really great chance to say, hey, I can go out on any given night if you put me in this situation and this is the kind of production I can give you. Now give me that opportunity. And then it opens up a larger conversation. Well, where's but the opportunity coming from? It, you know, it has to, it has, to, it t- entirely depends on where other guys play. And don't forget, it's not like Pritchard sitting there now and there's no one breathing down his neck for that, that spot because JD Davison has been balling out in Maine. He's and still he, raw, though. Yeah, he's That's still raw, but he gives you one, he gives you one thing different. He gives you a new dimension. He gives you extra athleticism. Yeah. Now, you look at the Celtics outside of Rob. I think Tatum and Brown. I think Rob's clear cut the best athlete, then Jalen Brown, then I'd say Tatum. But they don't have just genuine raw athleticism throughout that roster. And yeah. having a guy like JD that could be an off ball lob threat that can also handle the rock rim run, like he's a grab and go guy, like Russell Westbrook mold. Having somebody with that raw athleticism that can give you five minutes a night or seven, eight minutes a night, the role that Pritchard's playing right now has its benefits, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's not like Pritchard's such a high-level defender that you'd notice a huge drop-off with J.D. Davison on defense, right? Yeah. So I think that that's another thing that the Celtics might be looking at is like, hey, we'll let J.D. continue to develop in the G League. He's putting in a bunch of work. During the offseason, if we move on from Pritchard, we'll ink J.D. to a deal, and then he can just fill that role and we can develop him slowly. You know, this guy was a late second round pick. There's no expectations on his shoulders whatsoever. If you sign him to a two year deal and he, he he doesn't pop, so what? Yeah. So what? But you know, I think that he's shown enough that the Celtics might feel confident enough about using him as their deep bench guard when Peyton Pritchard eventually does get moved. Just makes yeah. sense to me. Yeah. And again, for Marcus Smart right now, I think his health is more important. And I think you saw the level of impact he has specifically because you saw how the Celtics struggled more on offense without him there. You know, it it just, it just goes to prove, I think for a lot of people, how important he is and integral to this team. Not even just because everyone talks about defense, right? Everyone talks about Marcus Smart being this massive impact player on defense. There's a reason why he won DPOY first guard to do it since literally Gary the Glove Payton, one of the greatest defensive guards ever. Like, that's a massive compliment to Marcus Smart to win that award. But he does so much more on offense, too. Now. Now. It was special. Like, he's now. ridiculous now. Like, he's, in massive my opinion, playmaker. huge. One yeah. of the best at reading the defense. He's really good at manipulating coverages. Um, I think, um, what did, how does Joe Mazzula call him? I think he calls him, like, um, trigger points, right? Like, um. I think that's what he calls what he said. Al and Grant were like they trigger the actions. Our bigs trigger the offense. I remember him saying that. Yeah, and like yeah. I think Smart is also one of those points where it's just like we put the ball in his hand and he's going to trigger whatever happens next, right? And the way he manipulates, he he can um, he can really read the floor, man. If you see some of the passes he makes, he sees it before anybody else does. He manipulates the way defenses are by driving. You see them collapse, then he kicks out. If they don't collapse, then he attacks. Attacks, then he attacks. Or he'll he'll probe dribble, and he'll probe dribble around until somebody's cutting, and he'll find that late cutter. He, the offense really does like start with him. So he, his value is immense right now. 
Um, he's also on a steal of a contract. I still yeah. think like, I still think he's earning a considerable amount of money, but with the impact he's having right now, it's a steal of a contract. The one thing you do need to realize is next year is his age thirty season. Like, and that Smart goes back is, to the guard stuff. Smart is well in his prime, and this is why I think that if you are moving on from Pritchard, you still need a young guard to develop. Now Pritchard came into the league NBA ready. You know, he was a four year guy. Um, his high, high floor, low ceiling type of character. He's proven capable. Now he wants to go and have a bigger role. Cool. Well, JD Davison was a low floor, high ceiling guy. It's time to start putting him there to kind of cover that, that gap because Smart will start missing a bit more time in the next year or two as they're trying because just because of the way he plays, right? A very um, intense player on yeah. both sides of the floor. Like he's throwing his body around. And he's not hesitant. I will say this: contact. when I, when we were there on Saturday, the one thing I noticed more than anything was how green his hair is compared to on TV. Yeah, it's it's gotten a lot darker, like in terms of, or maybe more like vibrant. It's a it's a brighter. Well, when shade we were there, green. right? Like I remember looking down at him and thinking, like, "Damn, dude, your hair way greener than it looks like on TV." <laughs> like that was my my biggest takeaway of the first five minutes of the game. He's sitting on the bench. I'm like, Smart's hair's really green. Like, it's really, like a really beacon. Great. Yeah. It's like moss. There's moss everywhere. Dude. You you said something that I thought was interesting talking about how he's able to read offenses in, or maybe uh, how to run plays on offense and read defenses. And I wonder how much of that comes from him just being a really good defender. So he knows defensive coverages and knows how to exploit them because he's a really, really good defender. Like he's a high IQ defender like very, very high IQ basketball player. So he knows ways to attack and break down defenses. So I just find that interesting in terms of how he's taken that leap because I don't think it, it it was not something that happened immediately. It took years of development and years of working on that to get it to that point. But did it, or did it just take years to get the opportunity to show you were capable? Was and he that's, mis- a, that's a whole argument. In I mean, was he right just there. originally miscast as a combo guard? Because that, for the majority of his career, he's been a, com- a, a six-man combo. Well, That was to- the role he was playing. Well, because he came into the league, and I think they were trying to have him be the starting point guard because it was around the time that they still had Rondo when they drafted him. Then they traded Rondo away, um, and that ended up landing Jay Crowder. And I think that was around the point... You had Terry Rozier there, then he had Corey there, then he had Terry Kanda there. Yeah, and like all of those guys, it, it was guys that he needed to not... like cover for defensively. Cover for defensively is probably a way that, I mean, definitely with Isaiah, for sure. Terry And with Corey. Kyrie, yeah. I but mean, Kyrie can play D when he's locked in. Like, well, let's year, not say that. Year one, he did. Year one, yeah. he did. Year two, not so much. Year, year two was bad. Kemba um, couldn't play there. He we saw that that's against Miami in the final in the bubble. He's small. I mean, yeah, that's just. I mean, one of but that, like, I just think that a lot of people are saying this, like, oh, you know, Smart just needed the time to develop into the point guard that he is now. And I'm like, nah. If you if you go back to his college days, he led the offense for Oklahoma. That's who he was. He came into the NBA, and because you know, defense is what gets you on the floor as a young guy. So mm-hmm. his role was you come in and be a defensive kind of disrupt disruptor. We want mm-hmm. you to influence the game with your defense. Mm-hmm. And it kind of just stuck. And then he got pigeonholed as a combo. And mm-hmm. Brad Stevens was always a huge fan of scoring, score first guards. That was like a Brad Stevens thing. He, had, he got Isaiah, went from Isaiah 
you went into well, you had that Ro- Rosier for a slight little period when Isaiah was hurt. Then you went into Kyrie. Then you went into Kemba. It was always a score first guard, right? Uh, so Smart isn't that guy. And part of the reason why is because his defense was so good. But I also think, and I remember having this conversation, I think it might have been with Keith Smith. Mm-hmm. I think it might have been with someone else, but I think it was Keith Smith. I remember having a conversation of like, well, if you go back and look at his three-point percentages and how bad they were, and then you ask yourself, well, if he's playing a role that doesn't really suit him, he's off ball most of the time, his role as a shooting guard, guess what his role's to do? Shoot. Yeah, 10 points to you. <laughs> you know what I mean? So he's taking shots that aren't his shots. They're not in his areas of comfort. He's not in rhythm, but his role is to shoot the ball when you get it. And now, all of a sudden, he's being given more freedom on the offense. He can dictate the play. He can play, make for others, create, manipulate. And now the shots are coming in rhythm, and he's picking where those shots are coming from rather than having somebody else dictate to him where he's getting the ball. And I think that that's been the difference. He's definitely developed, but I do think that he was capable of this a long time ago. He just never got the chance to grow into that role like he has over the last 18 months. And I think the patience let him play it through those issues and kind of find find his impact, like find where he best fits on the team. I think now when you have Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown like in their primes and you've got these other guys who, you know, are able to play off of each other, it, it just kind of it really just perfectly creates this environment that Marcus Mark can thrive in. And I think that's why we've seen him take that leap as a playmaker. I mean, outside of when he got injured um, earlier on in the season, not the ankle, this is earlier on in the season. I mean, he was averaging a crazy clip for assists, like eight assists a game. He had a, a gross stretch there for a while when the team really, really came out of the gates hot. A big part of that was because of him. But um, I wanted to share something. This was... Um, this was, I think this might have been pregame. This was before Celtics Lakers. I just, it was something that I found interesting. It was comments from Wick, and this pertains to, you know, the way the Celtics are going to approach the trade deadline, conversations between Wick and Brad. Um, and let me just see. So that was when he was see, sitting but... on the NBC Sports desk with Yeah, Scal you've seen and, this clip, um, right? He was with Eddie House and Scal, right? Eddie House, Scal, and then I think it's, it's not DJ Bean. I can't remember the guy's name off the top yeah, of my head. Yeah, I know, I know the, the NBC Sports he's talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Let me share it and just have it so we can discuss it. There's no sound coming through there. Hmm? No sound coming through. Oh, fiddlesticks. Hang on. I'm not going to worry about it now. I'll patch it over when we edit. Do that. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, so I think that, you know, from there, like, Wick's basically saying we're willing to spend. It's the same message we had earlier in the season where he was like, we know this is a championship team, we know what they're capable of, and we're willing to put whatever effort we need to into making this work. I don't really think much has changed there. Like, I still see the Celtics as being a bigger player on the buyout market than on the trade market. What I will say is at the moment, there's not enough trades for the buyout market to be thriving. Yeah, you know? that's like, also like- true. There's going to be a lot of people who are looking at that buyout market because there's not a lot of trade traction right now. I mean, what, what, and a lot of times like players that get traded to new teams are the ones that get bought out. 
if these trade if trades also aren't true. happening, where are the buyouts coming from? They got to be coming from the team that they're with, and that involves players kind of meeting these teams halfway and eating yeah. eating and contract the same money. Time teams are going to be doing that and leaving themselves short because it's not like there's a bunch of talent on the free agent market right now. So I just think that everything at the moment is just waiting on more trades to happen, and we're just not seeing that at the moment. I expect that's going to happen as we get closer to the deadline, just because there's a few other moves that are going to be, you know, made. I know that Bones yeah. Island was a player that people have been talking about. He's in terms a good, of, good god. He's, he's just good, not ready but for being on a contending team. Yeah, which is interesting. Like Denver's talking about that, and so that's it's odd to me because I feel like they should hold on to him and just keep it's the working shot on selection, it. dude. I know that's an issue, apparently. Um, but something interesting that just Wick said was just it's about this year, muscle up, and let's go get the job done. It. Yeah, it, it's along the same lines. That's the return saying. of Semi Ojale if you want Mussolini not. Well, it's just an interesting. I was joking, dude. Semi- it's a phrase. I know you want combat muscles. Everyone wants combat muscles. The Swojale factory. Um, so, I, I, it's just interesting because I know that teams have talked about this and talking about getting into those kind of rhythms and everything, um, and establishing, you know, how you're approaching the trade deadline. I think it, it, the fact that he said muscling up means that they're trying to get some size. I think like they're looking for some depth at that forward position in order for them to, you know, quite literally muscle up. But again, that's probably not going to get too spicy. Oh, so here's one for you. I just want to throw this out there before we go. Okay. Uh, Jay King released an article yesterday and he kind of threw mm-hmm. a new name into the, uh, into the mill that I haven't seen floated around anywhere. I also want to just take a moment to give myself some flowers. I feel like I was the first guy to float Naz Reed, mm-hmm. and now I see him floated Naz- everywhere. Everyone's on Naz Reed now. It's kind of yeah. awesome. <laughs> and uh, I'm like, nah, dude, If you, you could go back literally two months, and I was floating Naz Reed. So I just want to give myself some flowers there. Um, so, yeah, Jay King um, floated uh, Jay Sean Tate from the Houston Rockets. Undersized forward slash big, uh, can score quite well. You know, it's quite physical, quite defensively sound. He'd upgrade their front court defense a little bit. Uh, bit small, though. He's only 6'5". Like, you've already got an undersized forward in Grant. Do you really need another one? Jay Sean doesn't shoot the free as well as what Grant does. But he is a bit more of an interior guy, a little bit more explosive, can operate more off-ball as a cutter-type guy instead of a spot-up shooter. Uh, I, I just thought that was a good one. If you want to add some physicality, like Jay Sean Tate is one of the more physical guys on the Rockets, and he's arguably their best defender outside of Garuba. I think Garuba is excellent defensively. Yeah, and I that that is an interesting name to throw out there. And I, I imagine, I imagine the cost would be pretty low. I just don't. Seconds. Yeah, and I mean, I think that's you know, I I can't. Remember he also he's also contracted beyond this season, which is obviously a plus when. For some reason, everyone seems fine with throwing whatever it takes to bring Jakob Pertl for six months and then lose him. I'm just like, that makes no sense to me, I, bro. I, I think that's smoke with Jakob Pertl. And it's, I had it's all a, smoke, dude. I had a thought process, and we can dig into it in another episode, but I find it interesting that Boston and Toronto are the two teams that are linked to him. I haven't really heard anyone else aggressively being linked to Jakob Pertl, but I think. If Toronto's interested, and I know that Toronto is shopping guys like Fred Van Vliet, OG Anunobi can be had, but is like a pretty tall asking price. I don't know. If the Celtics are looking for a big swing, like a bigger swing, and they want to consolidate some of these deals, 
I would probably look at the San Antonio situation and talk to San Antonio and talk to Toronto and see what you can do there. Cause I'm be a facilitator. The the be a facilitator and see what you can get out of it. Whether you maybe you go for a guy like Precious Chua. I think if you're Toronto, you probably don't do that because you want these younger guys to build around um, as they revamp. But maybe you look at Toronto, who is looking to start this kick off this rebuild, and that means moving on from guys like Van Vliet, moving on from guys maybe potentially moving on from Siakam and OG. Do you know what maybe? nickname I give? Do you know what nickname I've got for Precious? What, Mister Sneeze? Why? What's his surname? Precious. What's his last? What's his last oh, name? Oh, Achua. Mister oh. Sneeze. Mister Sneeze. Right. Mr. So, Sneezy. as you can see behind me, I have a little bit of a pop collection, slowly growing. Okay. I came home from Boston, and my wife had got me. She got me a few presents because you know she's awesome. Um, she got me this. Ooh, very nice. The Michael Jordan NBA All-Star Classics. I just wanted to show it because I've got all these cool things behind me. And <laughs> why would you not show off the MJ? Sorry, I was just very proud of it. <laughs> all all right. Right, My final thought is if OG on Anobi is gettable, they should look at that. My final thought is basketball is awesome. Now, we'll be back later uh, Friday. With some action analysis, obviously this was more of a, a narrative episode and we'd like to keep things mixing up because otherwise it gets boring. If you're new here, hit that sub button. If you're regular here, we love you. And if you're just passing through, we hope you had fun. Everybody have a great day. Peace out. Cheers.